all that God has done for you. How many are grateful for God has done? Can you give them some praise in the house of the Lord? Blessed be the name of the Lord. I like that song. I like that song a lot. It's a time of reflection. It's a time. Well, good morning. The time to praise the Lord. That was a good. Look at your name and say good morning. If you're a veteran, I want to say blessed veteran year because we're just so grateful for our veterans. Can you put your hands together? You know, every time um, I get a chance, <laughs> I get a chance, someone throwing me kisses over here, I get a chance of um, doing a veteran ceremony and stuff, and usually I do one every year, but um, Veterans Day is a celebration of, for those who have served, and then Memorial Day always moves me when I do those services because I always remember my own loved ones that never came back from a war. And it touches you. It touches you. And I know we have generations and generations that don't know nothing about that, but when you get touched by that in that way, it shows what sacrificial love is, what sacrificial duty is as people. We have freedom in our country today because someone was willing to lay their life down. And the song that's always sung at the memorial uh, cemetery is some gave some and some gave all. So we just take a moment today to remember those that gave all and all those that are still with us. Whenever you see someone who has a hat on and, or you know they're military, thank them for their service because we have freedom because of people like that. Can you give God some praise because don't take things for granted because when it's gone, you really realize what you have. Let's go before Father. And Father, we're so grateful for who you are and all that you have done. We're grateful, Lord, how you have helped us. And Lord, will you help us to be the best servants that you've called us to be. Father, we just give you this time as we now worship you in spirit and truth, as we recognize you're over everything, as we give you the full place in our life, Lord, not to allow things to be heavy on our shoulders and the schemes and the strategies of the enemy, how he wants to steal, kill, and destroy, but you have given us life and life more abundantly. Lord, we come to celebrate today the life you've given us. We ask this in Jesus' name and all God's people said. Amen. 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 Those watching online, we pray that today's service is a blessing to you. And church, are you ready to worship God? Are you ready to say, God, here we are. We're out to serve you and you alone. Amen. Let's give him some praise. Good morning. Well, we're going to be talking today about, are you a good Samaritan? A good Samaritan. When I look at a good Samaritan, I think of a lot of different things. When I think about a good Samaritan, I, I think about, you know, this story, but I think of people that have come into my life that have been a good Samaritan. Um, when you look at the word, are you a good Samaritan, I want you to think about that. If God had to answer that question for you. What would God say about you? I want, to, I want you to think about that for a second. If God had to answer it, if you said, Lord, can I ask you a question? He would say, sure, my child. Um, and you said, am I a good Samaritan? Would you classify me as a good Samaritan? I want you to think about what the Lord would say. Because uh, uh, when we look at a good Samaritan, it's a person who's charitable, a person who's helpful for a person, a person who's compassionate and a person who um, 
is unselfish and willing to help someone in the time of need. That's what a good Samaritan is. A person is they don't know you and they do something kind for you. Um, has anybody ever got a flat tire and, and someone stopped to help you with it? That's a good, a, good, a good Samaritan. A person on their way, on a journey, and this person don't know you, no matter where they're going, but they forget about their destination, they get out of their car, and they say, hey, do you need any help? I've done that numerous of times. I can tell you story after story. And, and I, I want you to understand that I know from personal experience good Samaritans that have come into my life, uh, our family's life. One of the funniest stories is my mother. My mother at one time was going to sleep over her friend's house. My mother at that time was probably in her 80s. Uh, 79, 80 years old, and she was going to sleep over. My mother had a sleepover with her girlfriends. And she had to drive to Boston uh, in the Boston traffic and stuff. And in the process of going up there, something was doing something in her car. She got out of her car. It was a rainy day, and she locked herself out of the car. So there she is on a highway, locked out of the car, and it's raining. Only my mother. And so my mother, knowing if you knew my mother, she was a little bold. And so she's in the middle of a traffic trying to stop people because she needed help because she's been locked out of her car. Her car was running, and she was locked out. And so finally, a, a good Samaritan stopped and said to the woman, my mother, what woman? You crazy? You can't go in the middle of the highway trying to stop cars. And my mother just, just bypasses that and says, well, I locked myself out of the car, and I don't know what to do, and it's raining the guy says, hold on. And so he pulls over. He gets an umbrella, gives her an umbrella, calls 911. The cops come. They get someone to open her car. As soon as the cop comes, this guy, we don't know who he is, gets in his truck, gives her the umbrella, and he leaves. Good definition of a good Samaritan. Is my son Aaron here? Where'd he go? Probably went to the bathroom. Tell you a story some of you might know, but good Samaritan. I am in college. I'm in seminary. I uh, had to be there at 7 o'clock in the morning, and my day started early. My wife, we lived on campus, and so at that time, uh, we had a playground near the house, so the kids used to get up early. They go, went outside a playground. She let them out. It's not a big deal. And my son decides to take his little 16-inch bicycle, just tr get the training wheels off, and decides to go to his friend's house because he believes his friend has his gun, his toy gun. And so he gets on his bike, leaves the campus, we don't know. I don't know. I'm at school. She's preparing breakfast. This is around, I guess, 7 o'clock, 7, 7 something in the morning. And, um, and so all of a sudden, um, she finally gets a cop at the door. And she's like, and there's my son, Aaron, in a police car, locked up behind the thing and everything. And my wife is saying, what's going on? Little did we know, little Aaron decides to get on his bike travel in crazy traffic, four-lane traffic. Uh, huh? He's four years old, yeah. And, um, and he's in four-lane traffic, and he's a distance away from the house already. And this construction worker sees this little boy weaving in between traffic, stops him, and says, where are you going? And he tells him, I'm going to go get my gun from my friend's house. He got my gun. And... Um, <laughs> And uh, he asked, does your parents know you're out? He says, no, I just, just, just left the house. I just, I'm going to be quick. <laughs> this is, they're a distance away. So he calls the cops. Cops come. 
and they're going to take them down to the station. This could have got ugly because we could have been frantic. And, uh, and this could have got ugly. And he says, where are you going? My house is not this way. Four years old. Great, has a great a sense of um, uh, direction. Takes after his mother. And, uh, and so my house is this way. So he drove the cops right, right to home. Now, we don't know who this construction person was. A little boy, four years old, on a little 16-inch bike, driving in four-lane traffic. He, he did tell us, Dad, Dad, I stopped at every red light. <laughs> Son, that made me so happy. I'm so happy you did that. But we don't know, we don't know individuals that can do things, and you probably could tell some stories of individuals who stepped in and became a Good Samaritan. The question I'm going to pose to you today, are you a Good Samaritan? It's nice to read this story. Because of this parable, we hear all about what a Good Samaritan is. But the problem is, do you want to hear about it, read about it, or be one? There's a real, real difference. Because, see, it's going to cost you something. Whenever you're going to serve the Lord, it's going to cost you something. We live in a world to say, what are you going to do for me? What about me? It's me. And that's the song today. It's all about me. But that's not the song of the gospel. When Jesus came, Jesus said, no, it's all about you. I'm here for you. I'm here to be a servant. I'm here to show you how to live the right way. And this is really important for us to understand. Would God consider you a good Samaritan? So let's talk about the good Samaritan today, and let's go to that text. Now, good Samaritan is found only in one gospel, the gospel of Luke, chapter 10. And uh, let's start with verse 25. <coughs> On one occasion, <clears throat> an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is it written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus responded, you have correctly answered. Do this and you will live. What a question. I love this question from this individual. I think this question is a question that I think all human life, every person in life must ask this question, must ask this question. It's important. If you don't get this question right, you have issues. You're going to have issues. Because the big question of life for eternity <coughs> is found right in the beginning. What must I do to inherit eternal life? You know, it doesn't make a difference what you gain in life. You can have all this stuff, but one day you're going to die. We just had a funeral for a pastor. He was 92 just Saturday. Brother Kenyon, a very a man that was a really godly man and did a lot. And um, when you think about, I do a lot of funerals, and every time I get a chance to see baby pictures and then see life and see the later pictures. It's a whole life lived. And the question is, is not how long we live. The question is, what did we do while we lived? How did we change somebody's life? How did we fulfill the gospel or fulfill our calling that God has on each one of us? And being a good Samaritan is just one way of doing that. It's being kind. It's being considerate. It's being sacrificial. And we'll talk a little bit about that. So here is a big question that everybody's asking. Now, I don't know about you, <coughs> but these are the questions that people are asking in life. If I can just get my buttons right. Five questions people ask in life. These are five questions. Everybody asks these questions. The problem is not everybody gets answers. 
I think they want to know about these answers to these questions, but they're not willing to put the time in. The first is, where did I come from? And I know people, I've asked people that all the time. They say, I came from my mother or my father. I came from, you know, the one who produced me. Yeah. And they give me all these funny answers and stuff. But the reality is, your origin. God, made a give, God gave man and woman the ability to produce a child, but ultimately you come, you're made with God's DNA. You're made with God's DNA. Every vessel has God's DNA in it. God, that's your origin. Where did you come from? I'm a creation of God. God gave the ability for me to be created by a man and a woman. And the second question is, who am I? This is, this is so important, identity. We have an identity crisis in our world today because people don't know who they are. And when you don't know who you are, you do not know where you're going. You see, we try to appease people so that we can get acceptance, but by that we lose who we are. When we start doing things to get their good favor to do this, we lose part of us. So we have to know who you are. So I like to tell people, you know who you are when you know who created you. That's your origin. Your identity comes in Christ. You know who you are when you are who you are wherever you are. Did you hear what I say? So that means you're not a chameleon. You know what a chameleon does? When a chameleon goes with this, uh, this type of background, his body changes to that color so to match in so he's 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 uh, blends in protection well god doesn't god, god don't call chameleons he's calling you to be a soldier he wants you to know who you are so no matter where you are who you hang with be one person be who you are amen so you only find that in jesus christ then here's the biggie a purpose why am i here people ask that question why am i here what's my purpose what am i supposed to do you get an answer when you start push, pushing in to the Lord. You know, um, when I was growing up, I was very insecure. And then God saved me. I was still very insecure. And I struggled with a lot of different things because I was made fun of a lot in life. Now, either I would kill you in, in, in rage or, uh, you know, I wouldn't. But, I mean, I had a lot of issues. Um, growing up, I, finding out my purpose. I, I didn't really finally grow up until I was in my seminary years when I was under a great test, a really hard test. And in that test, I finally found my purpose. I finally understood my identity. I finally understood that, wait a minute, you know what, God? I may not be all that in a bag of chips, but I don't have to be because I'm in you, and if I'm in you, you're going to take care of the rest. You people make fun of people, make fun of people, make fun of people, but they don't realize that causes a lot of damage. So that's why either trade up a child, you either train a child or fix an adult. So my purpose came in later in years, and I finally figured out why I'm here. What a difference that has made in my life since then. And then morality, you need to find out what's right and wrong. What is right and wrong? You need to find that out. And, and the last thing is your destiny, eternity. Where am I going when I die? Those are, those are five major questions, and people say, yeah, they're, yeah, they're important, Pastor. But do you have answers to them? If I said, hey, who are you? I'm a plumber. No, no, you're not a plumber. That's what you do. That's not who you are. You know, where'd you come from? Did you come from under a rock? Did you just came, just were created? And, you know, you're just, a, you're just a, a bunch of blob. You know, what's your purpose? And why are you here? What's right and wrong? Is it right and wrong according to the culture you live? Or is there something greater than the culture? that you live that causes. Today, things that are wrong, they call right. 
We live in a culture today that everybody wants to fit everything in and make things right, but that's not God's word. So I just want to say, look at these five things. These are really important because they end up at the end, your destiny of where you go. It's really important to answer these questions because God wants to do something in you and through you. Let me look at this portion of scripture, Mark 8, 34. Because Jesus calls us, calls us to live for him. That's what he is. That's why our identity should be found in him. Jesus said, called the crowd to him and with his disciples and said, if anyone would come after me, look what he says, he must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel, did you get that? For me and the gospel will save it. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world yet forfeit his soul? Wow. Think about that. I mean, I want you to get this. This is important. That scripture is, gives you a real clear about what God has asked us to do. Now, when we look at the parable of the Good Samaritan, he asks a question to the Good Samaritan, and he tells them, he replies, and says, okay, you're asking me this question, I ask you a question. How do you read it? A scribe or a lawyer, that's exactly, you'll find those interchangeable, Luke's writings usually will talk about a scribe and call him a lawyer. And what they were were people who every day studied the word, they, they wrote the word of God, um, they knew the word of God, and so here he is testing Jesus, and Jesus says, wait, 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 you asked me the question, but you're a lawyer, you're a scribe, you're in the word every day. You tell me what it means. It was not uncommon for rabbis to ask a question with a question. I want you to get that, this is important. The lawyer's response to Jesus' question, love, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's how he answers the question, what must I do to have eternal life? So we're looking at God first, others second. Someone say to yourself, God first, others second. Now let me ask you a question. Do you live your life in that order? Do you live your life, God first, others second? Think about that for a second. Or do you live your life where it's more about you? I'll, I fit in God when I can, and, well, I'll fit others too when I can. It's not how it goes. I want to break this down for you today because people ask me all the time, is like, what does that really mean? You ever read a scripture and you say, what does that really mean? Well, let's do that. Let's break this down. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. And I love this because what it's really saying is God's saying, I want a heart that's connected and affected by love. Connection and affection. God wants your heart to be connected to him and have affection for him because love does that. Hey, you tell me you love something. I don't care what you love. You're going to see what you love. And you're going to have affection for what you love and you're going to be connected to what you love. Amen? And so that's the first one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Right, look at the second one now. Love with all your soul. You love, with all, you, love, you love with all of your soul. That's a heart that decided to be all in. All is the smallest word that encompasses everything. And so I want you to get this. This is important. I'm going to love God with all my heart, with all my soul. That means everything of your being. God's first on your calendar. God's first in your finances. God's first in your time. God's first in your family. God is first. 
So many times people say, well, Pastor, I couldn't come to church because I had to take my kids to the sports game. No. One of the things that I t- told my kids at the very beginning, I said, I love sports. I have no problem with sports. But I love God more. And I said, listen, if you're not going to be making a lot of games on Sunday. I just told them. I said, you maybe once in a while have a game, but I'm, I talked to the coach. I said, listen, God's, you know, if you, you want to schedule it on Sunday, it's because it's not important to you. But for me and my house, it's important to us. And God is going to be important. Now, what you do when you get older is going to be on you because what you show, you reap. But I'm going to teach you to put God first. And the way we had to do that is sometimes say something and do some things that just wasn't right. Because, see, we live in a world today that God's not important. It's not important anymore. You know, a Sunday is a day off for the people in the world. It's not a day. Now, you can come, you can have church any day of the week. We know that. But it's, a, it's at least, that's a day that you can put God 100% and say, you know what, God, I'm going to put you first. If God's first in your calendar, he's going to be first in your heart. Look at your calendar. Look at your checkbook. Your checkbook will tell you a lot about what you give to, what you care about, just as well as your calendar will. What are the things you're doing? So it speaks a lot. So love God with all your soul. That means it's a heart that is decided to be all in with God. Number three, verse 27 tells us, with all our strength. That's a heart living with focus. When you have, with all your strength, you got focus. You know, if I was lifting weights and I had a weight over my head, if I'm doing bench kind of close to my neck, I am going to be all focused to push that up. Because I know that if I can't push it up, guess what? I'm going to be asking for some help. You should have someone there anyhow, but not everybody does that, do we? No. But so you're all your strength. If you're going to say, you know, I'm going to, do, I'm going to love you with all my heart, with all my strength, uh, I'm going to be focused, God. That's important, living with focus. What's your focus? Is God a focus, a major focus in our life? Is God a focus? Do you really live with a focus? I just want to think about that. I, I, I examine myself all the time, God, am I getting distracted? When I study, I study four times, four things sometimes because I, oh, I like that. And I, I'll spend some time over there. Uh, I got the monkey, monkey business going on, going in my head. They call it um, monkey mind when you're quickly distracted by something. But as I continue to learn about being zoning in and zoning in and staying focused, God wants us to stay focused on what does he want you to do? How does he want you to do it? Spending time with God is really important. Number, number four. Verse 27 says, with all our mind. And this is important. It's all part of the soul. But this is a desire to learn. If you love God, how much time are you learning about him? Because if you love cars, you're going to be learning about cars. If you love sports, you're going to be learning about the people who play in the sports. You're going to be looking at statistics about this and that. But if you love God, God wants you desire to have a learn. If you're going to say, I'm going to love you with all my mind, that means you're going to take time to desire God, to desire to learn. And then number five, which is a second, the second commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. That's the heart of understanding God's mercy and grace. Wow. How much do you love you? I don't ask people that, and they don't like that question. I said, how much do you love you? <laughs> and uh, a lot of times people say, I don't love me too much. I've had many people tell me they don't love me. I love themselves too much. But the reality is that um, we take care of ourselves normally. 
And God's trying to give a, a, a purpose here. Like, if you take care of yourself, then take care of others as well. It's important. Matthew 7 says this. In everything you do to others, do unto others what you would have them do up to you. That sums up the prophets. Matthew 7, <laughs> 7, 12. Look at verse 28. Jesus says, you have answered correctly, do this and you'll live. I like this. The lawyer did right. He, hit, he, put, he put the donkey, on, the tail on the donkey. I mean, the lawyer did good. He should have stopped, shouldn't he? But we want to sometimes, we don't always want to stop when things are good. You know, eight times in the Bible, eight times in the Bible, it says, love your neighbor as yourself. Eight times. And he had it right. His response was right on. But let's continue on, verse 29. Look what he says. But he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? In, the, in, in reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes. They beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But the Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him, abandoned his wounds, poured oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for what any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Let's look at this for a second. The lawyer's next question was, who is my neighbor? Think about this. Who is your neighbor right now? The neighbor that is close to you. Who do you live next to? Who's your neighbor? Because that's usually what we think about. But I want to let you know something. The definition of neighbor is this. One living or located near another. But the priest and the Levite had a different definition of who their neighbor was. And if you have a different definition, then you feel like you have a different accountability. You feel like you have a different responsibility. I mean, honestly, the reason why people don't do what they don't do is because they feel justified by the way they're thinking. Not asking themselves, what does God say about it? Not the way we feel about it. You see, the priest was a person who would do the, the worship and the acts of God in the temple. The Levite was doing the duties, responsibilities. He, they, were, they were the ones helping the priest. These are two individuals that were looked as being holy, righteous people. Of course, they worked in the, in the temple. However, they did not see the definition, nor did this scribe or this lawyer have the same definition that Jesus is about to teach about the neighbor. Look here at verse 30. 
In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem in Jericho, and he fell into the hands of robbers, and they stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. If that was you, would you wish a good Samaritan would come and help you? But how many times, and I've seen this, especially in the city, where a person could be bleeding and just all messed up, and people walk right by him. How many times you see a, uh, someone who's begging, and you see him, and you're in the city, and if you've ever been in the city or been in places, and, begging, and because they look a little, and they're talking to themselves, and they look a little precarious, you decide to cross over the street and walk the other way. We all have avoided people because they're simply different. But do you know that person? We assume the worst. We classify them just because of their present situation. But do you actually know what they've been through? Have you understood where they are? Do you, can you make a logical uh, decision by the amount of knowledge you know about that person? No, you don't. But yet you classify individuals that could need your help. And so this man now is, he says, almost half dead. Look at the journey that they had to take. There's a distance between about 11 to 15 miles. This was a journey between Jerusalem and Jericho. And the journey was not an easy, straight deal. There was an elevation about 3,300 feet. It was a really difficult journey to take. Okay? And so, and it wasn't like smooth tar, okay? So we're talking about rocks up and down. It's a journey. That's how people got around. Are you glad you have a car? See, we're spoiled. See? But when you've been to different countries, like I've been to different countries, and see how people have lived, and it's not about the things they have. Let me tell you something. I've met the most happiest people, the people that have nothing. Never forgotten my trip to India. Love India. It's a very interesting world out there. <laughs> but beautiful. Because Jesus, for the God's people, Jesus does things, you know, does things in such a way where real joy comes out. We love people and we use things. But in this world today, we love things and we don't give much time for people. But this would be the journey that they were taking. Along this hard journey, this man was robbed and beaten, taking the clothes. I mean, gee whiz, they didn't just take the money. They took his clothes too. And just left them there half dead. I want you to understand that. The heart of the condition of the religious people. As the priest happened to go down the same road, he saw the man, he passed on the other side, so to the Levite. And he came to the place and saw him pass on the other side. Here's the religious. The condition of the religious here has a different definition of who is my neighbor because in their mind, their neighbor was their fellow Jew. And yet, here in the story, this is a Samaritan, and most likely the one that was beaten up was a Jew. But they didn't want to defile their bodies. Most likely this came from temple worship. And according to Leviticus 19, they would defile themselves if the person was dead. So they didn't want to inconvenience themselves to have to purify themselves. And so in their mind, they felt justified by not paying attention to someone that's half dead that needs, some, needs help. Don't, don't criticize the priest or the Levite because you and I do the same thing in justification of our own actions sometimes. 
We justify our actions according to our own thinking, but we do not relate it to how does God think? What is God saying? What would God have I do? What would have us do? And and are we going to be God's good Samaritan to actually help someone who has a need? Or are we going to be, well, I don't want to inconvenience myself because I have to. And this is the story of of all because we're very much about our lives. And Lord knows if something goes wrong, we get all flustered because, well, this is what I was planning. But when you're in need and you're hurting and someone says, oh, I'm sorry, I'd like to help you, but I have no time for you. How's that feel for you? See, we want people to meet our needs, but we're not really quick to try to inconvenience ourselves to be able to help so God could help us meet other needs. It's sacrificial. It's always sacrificial. And this one thing about this Samaritan who's now about to help a Jewish person. Most scholars believe it's a Jewish person that has been beaten up, but they don't know this Jewish person. They don't know who he follows the law. They know nothing about him. And if that happened to him, probably doesn't have God's favor. And I'm not going to defile myself and inconvenience my, my life and then have my, all that I have to, no, 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 I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to get involved. That's what we say. We don't want to get involved. It may get messy. I want to tell you this, but your life can get pretty messy too. But thank God that people will step into your life and give you encouragement and give you strength and give you help and give you the word of God and give you, help you in the process of your journey and process of your testimony because that's what we're here for. That's why the, we're cello, as we celebrate Thanksgiving, listen, you can't really learn how to give until you really know how to thanks. Give thanks to God. That's what makes a cheerful giver because you're so grateful. Hope that gets deep in your heart and your soul because we have to start changing the way we think in order to become all that God wants us to become, to be grateful for even the little things. Micah 6.8. I love this. They knew this scripture. Nothing's changed. Micah 6, 8. He has showed you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? This is not just Old Testament. This is Old Testament, New Testament. This is still the same. It's still good for us today to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly before God, with God. That's together, no matter what you're going. God's involved in the situation. God's involved in your life. Walk justly. Love mercy. So many times is when things don't go the way we want, we start to huff and puff. We try to blow the house down. Complain, 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 complain. No, love mercy. Because God loved us when we were not lovable. Hello. God gave us grace when we were afar. It's by his grace and mercy, his compassion, his love. This is what Jesus did on the cross. Matthew chapter 9, verse 12 and 13, Jesus said, It is not the healthy that needs a doctor, but the sick. But go learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. You know, times people who sacrifice it. But if you don't have the heart with sacrifice, it's not good. Your heart connected to your action has to be together in order for the blessings of God to flow. Your heart and actions must be together. For it to flow and for God to really do the work because God's concerned about the heart, not just your actions. He says, goes on to say, for I have come 
to call, not to call the righteous, but the sinners. Come on, aren't you glad that he came for you? He came to seek and save that was lost. I remember the day where I was lost. I remember the groups of people are hung around. I remember all the stuff, thinking I was a good guy. I went to church. I blessed myself with holy water. I'm holy. That's what I thought in my mind. But I was so far from God, living my life the way I wanted to live my life, and yet not knowing the relationship with Jesus Christ. On everyday relationship where God speaks, he, he teaches, his Holy Spirit empowers. He helps us when we feel helpless. He gives us hope when we feel hopeless. He's a God that intervenes when we need intervention. He's a God and present there all the time. We don't have to worry about it. He is faithful because that's who he is. He's faithful and he's with you and he's for you. Being a good Samaritan is one of the best blessings we can be because it takes the effort off of me and puts it on those who are in need. But I found, I found that when I start to do that, I feel blessed. I feel better. Have you ever helped somebody and said, today was a good day. I got a chance to help somebody. And if you have the gift of helps, depending on your giftings that God has gifted you with, if you have the gift of helps, you just want to help somebody. Get out of my way. I'm going to help. <laughs> See, the priest and the Levite, they represent the ones who follow God. But they're not listening to God's heart. They are the most likely to be the ones to, to be the good Samaritan, and yet they're not. They're more interested in their religious rights than they are about their human responsibility. There's just something common sense about human responsibility to care for your fellow man. It shouldn't take a lot of work. Now, I know we've lost it in our culture. I understand that. But that doesn't mean you have to lose it. The people of God need to get to understand it is the Lord Jesus who empowers you by the power of the Holy Spirit. No, it's not the word, the world that empowers you. Hello, it's the, it's the Spirit of God that should influence you. It shouldn't be the world that's going to be your influence. You see what I'm going with this? Noah was one man in a wicked, adulterous, wicked generation, and yet God saw him as holy. He stood out as a bright light in the midst of darkness. Don't say, well, people say to me, well, pastor, life is so hard because of this, that, and the other thing. Yeah, it is. I agree. I'm not telling you it's easy, but I'm also saying, if Noah could do it, so can you. Hello. It's important. The priest and Levite, they focus. They're on self, not other focus, self-focus. Ask yourself a question right now. Do you live your life with other focus? or self-focus? Just ask the question because we need to ask those questions. I ask those questions. God, am I being self-focused or other-focused right now? Where is my priorities? Help me get right. It's really important of why you do things and are we self-focused or other-focused because the Levite and the, and the priests were, well, they were definitely self-focused. They saw the need, but they had no mercy and no compassion. They were unconcerned, unconcerned. But then we learn this in verse 33 to 35, the Samaritan. 
A Samaritan was the person that most unlikely in the Jewish person's mind frame to help a Jew. Matter of fact, we'll go one step further, that if they needed help, they probably wouldn't want a Samaritan to help them. Just, I think this man got help because he didn't know who was helping him. <laughs> Sometimes we have to get to that. It depends on life to accept help. People say, well, you know, I'm going to be so independent. Ugh, drives me crazy. All that is pride. Independent. You want to be independent, yes, but not when all of us need help. No one is an island. I can do it. Me and God. It's just me and God. Oh, give me a break. That's what the body of Christ is all about. When people say that to me, it's just me and God. Me and God will take care of it. Listen, that's why you have a family. You go tell your, your right arm that you and your left leg are going to be all set. No, it's the whole body working together. And everybody does its part. Don't be so prideful that you can't receive the help because that hurts your life. I say it all the time in ministry. Share, saw my fair share of it. So here's a good Samaritan. A Samaritan that's for the Jewish perspective... They didn't like Samaritans. They called them half-breeds. When the people of God were wicked and God judged them and brought another country in and scattered his people, and even though Israelites that stood in the area, they intermarried with other foreigners and they became half-breeds so they were Jewish and Gentile and the Jewish people said, you knew you shouldn't have married and so we want nothing to do with you. So the Samaritans built their own temple and they got their own religious ideas and that's where the woman at the well comes into the picture. And that's a whole different story for another day. So... Let's look at verse 33. But the Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, loved this. The person who is looked down through the eyes of a Jew, the Jewish people at that time and during the time of Jesus, looked they were enemies. You could just say they were enemies. He took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring out the oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn, took care of him, total stranger, the next day, he took two, out, two silver coins, probably he's about to get on his journey again, and gave them to the innkeeper, look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Did you see the amount of work this man did? Wow. Moves my heart when a person can care like that. The Samaritan showed mercy, compassion, he bandaged his womb. He took time to nurture him, to heal his wounds. He gave him, of, gave of himself. He met the needs of this person. He was willing to sacrifice his time. I don't know where this man was going, but he didn't get there on time. He placed him on his donkey, and he walked. Think about that. Took him to an inn. He went the extra mile. He could have just kind of patched him up. But he realized this person needs more than what I can do at this point in time. He's going to need more. So he went up to the, he went the extra mile. Are we willing to go the extra mile sometimes? It's tough when you do. But the benefits are beautiful in the eyes of God. Brought him to a place where he could be healed completely. He's looking out for his future. He stayed to take care of him. He inconvenienced himself. His focus was, focus was on the man. And then he said to the innkeeper, 
uh, here's some money to pay what we have and a little extra, and then if it's any more, I'll come back and pay you and, and get my account right to a total stranger. Wow. And the reason why, I, I, when I look at this, and I look at a Samaritan and how they did not like each other and how all that took place, and yet Jesus is using a Samaritan for a reason. Who is my neighbor? Remember the question? Who is my neighbor? Philippians 2.3, one of my life verses. I have a few. This is one of them. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourself. Each of us should not look on our own interests, but the interest of others. That's what God's really calling all of us. The question Jesus wants all of us to answer, which of these three do you think was the neighbor to the man that fell into the hands of robbers? When the expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him, and Jesus told him, go and do likewise. It always amazes me when I read this text that he never says it was a Samaritan. To say that, a Samaritan did something good, almost contradicted the culture itself. The man couldn't say it, but he recognized the point. I don't know about you, but the lawyer's response here, the, the, the scribe's response here, the teacher of the law response, he got it right again. He got it right again. And then Jesus said, go and do likewise. And I just want to challenge you for a second. It's good about reading, a, reading your scripture. And it's good about thinking about a person that did a great thing. But I don't think like that. I think, God, how can I be that person that can do what that person did? God, what type of heart do I need to have that I can love the unlovable? I can help the helpless. I can help the hurting. God, what do I have to do? How can I be that, Lord? I can't be everybody, everything, everything, but I sure try, God. Can you help me make me better? Because I do want to learn from this person. If this person in this parable can do something like this, why can't you and I do this? See, I'll tell you why. If we, the real only answer is, is, do we want to? Do we want to? That's the bottom thing. That's the bottom thing. Do you want to? Are you a good Samaritan? The Samaritan was a giver of his grace. He was a giver of mercy. He was a giver of compassion. He was a giver of his time. He was a giver of his resources. He was a giver of himself willing to sacrifice to a stranger. Crazy. We live in a world today that we're afraid of even helping a stranger because we always think the worst. Never the best. Give of love from the heart. But this whole story is really pointing to Jesus. It's pointing to our great, great, great Samaritan. Jesus, the good Samaritan. Because Jesus did everything that this man did as well. Jesus found us all wounded and beaten by sin. Jesus found us and he had mercy and compassion upon us because we were sick. We were beaten by life and beaten by those in life who just want to bring hurt to our bodies and hurt to our souls. 
But he came to us in our mess. He bound us up and he healed us. And by his stripes, we are healed. Jesus is the typified good Samaritan that has met you and I in the place when we were at our lowest. And he came on in. He picked us up. And he didn't just pick us up and put us on a donkey. He picked us up level and made us a child of Almighty God. He picked us up that one day while serving him, heaven will be our home. He picked us up higher than we could ever imagine. For God, for those who love him, cannot eat. For those that love God... The eye has not seen, the ear has not heard, though it has it entered into the mind of man the things that God has for those that love him. Oh, God has come in, and he promises us that he's coming back for us. You see, God paid it all. God has a plan for us. He really does. I don't know about you, but I don't want to live a life just about stuff. I turned my back on that a long time. Nothing wrong with stuff. Get me wrong. God wants us to enjoy life. Amen? But that's not our focal point. But if God gives you the stuff and the things that you can help other people, then he gives you a better position to be able to help people. And you can't go wrong with that. That's my whole thing about life. God put me in a position that I can help people. You can't help if you don't have. You can't give someone, you can't give if you don't have it to give. But if you have it, then you can bless somebody with your time, with your resources, with your life, with your words. You see what I'm trying to say? Stand to your feet for a second. Before we go into communion, I just want to challenge your hearts. Today's message is really about practic practicability, really. Stop focusing on ourselves and just saying, God, am I being a help to those in need? Am I being a word? Am I caring for those in need? Or am I looking at people to meet my needs, but I'm not paying attention to other people with their needs? A good Samaritan is a person who just quickly acts because of what they see. They don't second-guess things. They're like they see the need. This guy came and saw someone half-dead. He didn't think about it. I think we have to stop overthinking things sometimes. There's something about using wisdom, yes, but we have to say, what, God, what do you want me to do? Close your eyes for a moment. As we've talked about the Good Samaritan and those watching online, we talked about the Good Samaritan. As your eyes are closed, I just want you to hear what the Lord would say to you as you ask him the question, God, am I a Good Samaritan? I want you to think also this other question is that Jesus is our good Samaritan who found us when we we're all beaten up and have you allowed Jesus to come into your heart to meet you where you are to heal your bruises and to heal your pain and to heal those areas of hurt that go deep into the soul because that's what Jesus wants he wants to pick you up he wants you to know what true love is he wants you to understand that he wants to heal you and pick you up and lift you higher than the very place you're at. And he wants to give you a promise. He says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And it, and, and it all starts, the journey all starts by saying, Jesus, forgive me. I have sinned. I have gone my own way. I now dedicate my heart to you. 
And if you're here today, and if you died right now, heaven's not your home. You're not 100% sure that you're going to go to heaven. This day could change your life. Could change your life. You're online. If you, if you died today, and you're not sure heaven's your home, this right now could change your life. This is the most important thing. What must I do to accept to, to get eternal life? That is to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and personal Savior. Because when he came to this earth, he died for your sins. He covered them and wiped them away with the blood of the Lamb. And if you accept him as Savior, you now have your sins forgiven. And you become a child of God. Hallelujah. I pray right now in the name of Jesus that each one here would come to know who you are, God. I pray right now, if you do not know Jesus as your personal Savior, just raise your hand. Just raise your hand. Allow God to do a work. Go the line. Just even raise your hand right where you are. God will do a work. 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 Father, I pray right now, God, we do a work in each heart. God, to recognize that you desire for them to know you and know you well by accepting you as their Savior today and forever and receive your grace, mercy, and your great love. We ask this in Jesus' name. Can you give God some praise in the house of the Lord? Come on. Well, we thank you for joining us today. Let's continue to believe that God is going to do a work in all of our lives and in his church, despite our current circumstances. If you would like to support the ministry of Salem First Assembly, you can do so by mailing to 430 Route 45, Salem, New Jersey, 08079, or by visiting our website at salemfirstag.org. Please join us for service next Sunday at 1030 a.m., or you can watch service every Sunday afternoon on Facebook at Salem First Assembly or YouTube at Salem First AG. You can also listen to the message every Tuesday on Podbean. Have a blessed rest of your day. Let's remember to be a blessing and that life is living in faith every day.